And he was talking about how a lot of young people, they want to make a big change in their career. They really want to be known for something. They want a really elite job after college, any of those things. And they have no idea how to get there. And that just kind of following the standard path is not enough for you to be really, really known in one specific industry. And so a creation event is you doing something really big in a short amount of time, like six months to a year. And that could be a podcast, it could be a conference. And what he was talking about that day was writing a book. Hey friend, it's David Dubinsky here in New York City. So excited for this new podcast with Jillian Richardson. So grateful to record this second podcast with Jillian. As you may remember, she was the second guest on my show. Uh, so grateful for her earlier support. Would not be here without her. You may remember in the summer of 2018 when Jillian was talking about writing her book. And she did it. She self-published on Lonely Planet and has been written up and featured in many press outlets and on many other podcasts talking about the book. Um, in this episode, you'll learn about lessons learned from writing a book, including getting book quotes and support from leading authors like Nir Eyal and Priya Parker, what creation events are and how they could help accelerate your career, how to grow your newsletter if you have one. Um, as you may know, Jillian runs The Joylist, a newsletter that reaches over 10,000 people. She also talks about a brand new project of hers to help make New York City less lonely and also how it happened, which I think is always so important when we're building and growing our portfolio careers, how do projects happen? And also many conversation exercises in ways to get more involved with events and um, your friends. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. Excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Jillian. So Jillian, if we were to go to an event tonight, how do you typically introduce yourself? So the way I introduce myself now is new. I would say I'm Jillian. I'm really passionate about making the world a less lonely place. I run a newsletter about events in New York City where you can come alone, leave with a new friend. I wrote a book about it. And this year, I'm on a campaign to make a million people less lonely. Mm. And that's the thing I love bringing up because literally anyone I talk to, I can bring in in some way. It's, it's the first time I've done a project where anyone can help. And that feels really fun. And that's, that's the new project? What? That is the new project. Make a million people less lonely. Amazing. Um, casual casual <laughs> small goals. Um, okay. Well, I also want to say thank you for coming back on the show. Of course. Um, thank you for coming to my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on that time, and you mentioned your book, mm-hmm. and I think creating books is a great way to create an asset for your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I would just love to learn, you know, how you got, how you started writing the book, the program you're in, and yeah, that'd be a good way to get started. Yeah. So how I even had the idea to write a book in the first place was I was at a conference called Next Gen Summit, which is a conference for young entrepreneurs. And this guy named Eric Koster gave a talk about what he calls creation events. And he was talking about how a lot of young people, they want to make a big change in their career. They really want to be known for something. They want a really elite job after college, any of those things. And they have no idea how to get there. 
and that just kind of following the standard path is not enough for you to be really, really known in one specific industry. And so a creation event is you doing something really big in a short amount of time, like six months to a year. And that could be a podcast. It could be a conference. And what he was talking about that day was writing a book. So this talk was essentially him pitching the book writing program that he runs. Uh, And he did a really good job of pitching this program. Uh, And it was especially helpful because this woman, Haley Hoffman Smith, who's NextGen's community manager, wrote a book through his program uh, called, oh, I might mess it up. I think it's Her Big Idea, but it's about why women only get 1% of venture capital funding. And after she wrote this book, she got an opportunity to start her own venture capital fund. And I'm pretty sure at the time she was 21 years old. So I knew her. I knew how highly she spoke of the program. Otherwise, I would just be like, cool, this is a dude who's trying to sell me a book writing program, but I don't trust him. Um, But I talked to him afterwards, and he actually did a very smart thing at the end of his presentation, which was he just put his Calendly link on the last slide and was like, anyone in this room, if you want to talk to me, you can book a call with me for, I don't know, 20 minutes. And I could, you could live see the times just being taken up by people. So very good presentation move on his part. And I talked to him and said, hey, I really want to be known as an expert in community building. I want this to be my life. I want to be regarded enough so that I can be paid to speak and consult and just do the things that I really think will make an impact. And I'm not sure how to get there in writing a book seems like the most reasonable thing, especially because I'd already been a professional freelance writer for five years at that point. And so he was like, yeah, come join this program. And it was me and a cohort of, I think, 20 people. And we'd committed to my original cohort was writing a book in 10 months. I actually ended up taking two more months because I just really wanted to make sure it was good. Uh, But what I loved about it was that they had a process of saying, find the books in this topic that you already love. How do they structure it? Like for me, I was looking a lot at Brene Brown's books, seeing how she used a lot of her own personal stories and mixed it in with research. And she ends a lot of her chapters with questions and key takeaways and just going through the books that I really love and saying, what is it about these books that I love? And can I take the structure that they're using? These are people that have big publishers and really well-paid editors and all this stuff. And how can I put my own content into this pre-existing template? Mm. Okay. So creation events. I I love that. Okay. So then uh, you were part of the cohort, Mm -hmm. published the book on Mm -hmm. Lonely Planet. Yes. Mm Self-published and launched August. July. July. Yes. And uh, maybe walk us through a little bit like how things have been going Mm -hmm. um, since having the book out there in the world. Yeah. So I think a lot of people who know me think that I have people helping me with promotion. I don't. It's literally just me. Uh, Actually, no, that's not true. It's me and all of my friends who want me (laughs) to to get great media appearances. But it's honestly just been a lot of me reaching out to freelance writers, reaching out to podcast hosts posting publicly on my social media accounts just like hey I wrote this book I want to help more people 
feel less ashamed about their experience of loneliness. I want to give more people the tools to deeply connect with themselves and other people. Can you help me? And I reached, I feel like just a certain point where I'd had enough media appearances on shows that had an audience that people who listened to those podcasts who also hosted their own podcast started reaching out to me like, Hey, I would love for you to be on my show. Or I was doing speaking appearances and someone would say, Hey, like I'm a journalist. I have my own show. Could you come on? And so like I've done some live radio things. I got to do a really fun experimental podcast taping with on being, which was to me the biggest deal. Cause I love on being so much. Uh, I got to have an intergenerational conversation with a nun on tape for like four hours. Um, And I'm starting to just get more speaking opportunities. But if I had just published the book, I definitely don't think that would have happened. It was me having a really clear reason why I wanted people to share it. I wasn't just saying... Hey, I wrote a book about my life. I would love for you to share this book about my life to just like help me become a known person. Saying, hey, I wrote a book to help solve a problem for a lot of people that I've also experienced. Can you help more people like through this thing that I made? And that makes it way more easy for people to share this kind of call to action I'm putting out there. Mm, Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, what you're writing about in the topic is something that is... Uh, appeals to whether or not appeals to somebody knows somebody that could potentially benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and okay. So then you started promoting yourself mm-hmm. and then getting on different shows. If you were to start, especially given it's this month, if you were to start today mm-hmm. and let's say you're, uh, what else, how would you have changed, you know, a self-published book, yeah. um, your process and yeah. Ooh, that's a really good question. I think one thing I would have changed is to reach for like my really big dream interview sources earlier. I think I, at the beginning of my process, was really self-conscious, thinking, I don't know if this is going to be good. I barely even know what this book is going to be about. Who am I to reach out to? So for example, Priya Parker, who wrote The Art of Gathering, I wanted to reach out to her and I kept stopping myself because I was so nervous. And so I didn't end up interviewing her for my book. But when it was done, I reached out to her and said, hey, I would love for you to give me a quote for my book cover. And so this woman who's a hero of mine actually read my entire book, gave me feedback and gave me a quote for my book cover. And so to my credit, I did reach out to the person I was really scared to. And I did say, hey, I made this thing. I would love to get your seal of approval because I know we share the same mission and we're women who really care about this thing. Uh, but that these people want to help even in the early stages. Mm. That's that's a thing that keeps blowing my mind is that even people like Nir Eyal who wrote Hooked and he's been so kind to me and I was an advance reader for his book. He asked to be an advance reader for my book. I didn't even have the guts to ask him. He just asked me. Uh, it... It's just a reminder that people want to help. Mm -hmm. And even people who seem very busy, if they genuinely care about the pain point that you're trying to solve, they're probably going to want to help you in some small way. Because somebody helped them along the way. Yeah. And that, for me, it was really fascinating getting the book cover quotes because that feels like the biggest deal. 
because it's like, wow, these person's words are going to be on my book cover. They're going to be there. But for those people, it's super easy to do. And this is an inside baseball thing, I will say, about book cover quotes that I did not know is that what really happens with book cover quotes is you reach out to the person, you say, hey, I would love for you to give me a quote for my book cover. Here's three quotes that I already wrote for you. Would you like to choose one? And actually, I think two of the quotes on my book cover, they actually wrote themselves, but some of them I wrote for them and they just wanted to support me. <laughs> That's like, that is a wild thing that I did not know. Well, you make it, you made it easy for someone to help. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. And then, so reach out to people sooner. Yes. Like-minded people. Mm -hmm. Being a part of a cohort Mm -hmm. probably helped structure. Um, Would you have gone the self-published route again? I mean, as a first-time author? Yes. I honestly don't think I really would have had a choice. Maybe if the joy list was bigger than it is, my newsletter, then I could have had a better chance of getting with the publisher. But at this point in my life, I wanted the book to be a catalyst for my career. And if I went with the traditional publisher, my book probably wouldn't be out for another year and a half or two years. And I just knew how helpful it would be to have this thing to my name. And so going the self-published route really worked for me. And I think there are some people who I know who their writing skills just weren't as good because they're not professional writers. And I think that the book maybe will be a detriment to them. Where if someone doesn't read the book, cool. It's just like, yeah, you have a book. But they might have done it too quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a thing I warn people about with self-publishing is when someone reads this, will they think more highly of you? Or will they be kind of caught up in the writing style that you've gone with if it it doesn't seem super professional? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then in the book, uh, Unlonely Planet, um, you have a as you mentioned, prompts and exercises mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, for someone to, I guess, improve their connection and, and build relationships mm-hmm. and stuff with their friends and somebody's listening to this right now, um, is there maybe one or two things that someone could do that's simple, quick, and easy? Yeah. So for someone who wants to deepen relationships with their friends, I would say the biggest thing for me that it's helped is just practicing communication skills and being more honest. Because I know for me, it's very easy for me to never say difficult things Mm. and to never I don't want to make people upset I don't want to cause any discomfort and so for me what's been really helpful is the practice of authentic relating or circling it's where you and it happens all over the world so if you google it I'm sure you could find something near you but you go and it's a practice of identifying the feelings in your body identifying the way that you're reacting to other people and kind of the stories or the narratives that you have about other people and just being really, really honest in a circle with people about what's going on in your mind. And it's a great little bubble to practice before you go back into the real world. So just doing things like that or nonviolent communication, the book Nonviolent Communication, any workshops around that, just a really great way to be in touch with what's actually going on in my mind in my relationships to people and noticing all the things that are swirling around in my brain that I'm not saying to somebody else Mm. of like, hey, here's the realness about what is happening in my head about what's going on between us. And like, I just need to let you know. So that's been very helpful to my relationships. And then another very quick thing is to just ask people to hang out. It's... (laughs) 
It sounds so obvious, but it is way easier said than done because we're a culture that's so self-reliant. We're so mm. individualistic. And reaching out to people to say either, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want to come with me? Or an even more vulnerable one for me is if you're doing something fun, would you invite me? I had someone reach out to me and ask that. And it was it was just so sweet to receive that message for someone to trust me enough to be like, hey, I'm honestly not going to enough fun stuff in my life. I see you as a person who has a good group of friends, and I would really appreciate it if you would invite me to something. I was like, wow. such, such like good, honest communication. I just, mm, I love it. So much better than let's grab coffee. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. It's like, here's a really, like, that's the subtext of let's grab coffee anyways a lot of the time. Or the subtext is like, hey, I think you're cute and I want to make out with your face, but I'm too afraid to say that, so I'm just going to say let's grab coffee. Uh, yeah. And so that's if somebody wants to deepen relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to then just go to new events and stuff, it's mm-hmm. creating that kind of invitation or... Yeah. Um, any other practices that you think are kind of quick and easy for someone? Yes. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one that I tell people a lot is to volunteer at events. There's an event in New York that I went to called Medi Club, where it's dinner and meditation and group conversation. And the first time I went, it was very overwhelming for me because it was essentially walking into a room of 100 people who I didn't know. And there's just this 45 minutes at the start of the event before it had really started where I felt very floaty and I just didn't know what to do. So I started volunteering to check people in. And then it gave me a purpose. It gave me a reason to talk to people. It helped me bond to the other volunteers. It gave me an excuse to talk to the organizers of the event, who are always the best connectors in a city or the people who host events. And I did that every month for almost a year. And it helped me really feel connected to that community. So for any event that you want to go to, reach out to the organizer and see if you can volunteer. Because you're going to save money. You're going to connect to people. And it's a great way to reduce social anxiety because you have a purpose being there. Yeah. Know that feeling going into an event and you're like... And you're like, <laughs> like what do I do? Oh, God. Um, okay. And then another thing you mentioned uh, was the joy list and yes. the newsletter. Um, I think it's also... We're starting to see more and more people have newsletters. I have one. Um, it's not doing so well. But I, I enjoy <laughs> it. Um, but anyways... I think it's a great way to to connect with people and um, and share ideas. You've had the joy list for a while and also now have new personal newsletter coming soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of insights or lessons learned from starting a newsletter do you think would be helpful for people? Yeah, I think number one insight is, I feel like this is my insight for just so many things, is don't do it for you, do it to solve a problem for other people. Because when you're talking about your newsletter at a party or something, who wants to sign up for my newsletter if I'm like, hey, I have a newsletter. It's about my life. It's like, yeah. cool. I don't know you. I don't give a crap about that. <laughs> like, like, awesome. Do that. And that's great for like a really small personal newsletter. Like, I'm literally starting that to help people stay up to date with my life. But for a stranger, they're not going to want to sign up for that. So to say, hey, I have a newsletter and our mission is to reduce loneliness in New York City and connect people to events where they can make new friends. Most people will hear that and be like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, I need new friends. I would love to sign up for this thing. Thank you for creating a thing that will help me. And yeah, I just see that a lot with 
projects. And of course, if it's more artistic and it, there's not an obvious way where it's helping people, but it is helping people in a, in some way, that's a whole different thing. But I just think it's important for people to think about how they can really just be in service. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, I never thought about that as much, but I just remember sharing your newsletter so much with other people because I felt like it was helping people mm-hmm. and that people were looking for events or, you know, in addition to amazing writing, but it mm-hmm. also just, yeah, it had a purpose. It had, it was yeah. solving a problem. Mm-hmm. So I never thought about that as much with the newsletter. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So we talked about the book, talked about newsletter. Um, and how are you thinking about, uh, I guess, since you've a little bit farther along the journey now mm-hmm. of how a book could help your career, right? And I yeah. know you're, you mentioned the new big project, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a little bit. But yeah. just like, you know, what were some ideas or potential, you mentioned podcasts and stuff too, but mm-hmm. like, where did you kind of think a book could take you and yeah for early yeah well one thing that eric the guy who runs the program said that took a lot of pressure off for me and that i really liked was kind of using the book as an experiment to see is this something i really want to commit a lot of my life to doing because by writing a book about a subject you're really diving into it you're really meeting the people who are experts in that space and he said when we were all in the brainstorming phase of our book what's the kind of person that you want to hang out with for the rest of your life write a book that lets you talk to that type of person. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure the type of person I want to spend the rest of my life talking to is people who are community builders. Because anytime I meet someone who loves that, we just vibe, we just get along. And so this feels like a good fit. And writing the book totally confirmed that. Like so many of the conversations I had for this book, I left just feeling like I was high. It's like, this person is amazing. What they're doing is amazing. I feel so hopeful about just the future of humanity. Uh, it was really awesome. So like professional reasons aside, that was one really good way to solidify my purpose. But on the more professional side of things, it was a really good way for me to just have a reason to reach out to people who are influential in the community building space. Like, if I just randomly email Priya Parker and I'm like, hey, you want to grab a coffee so I can pick your brain? She's never going to respond because she gets a million of those emails a day. But if I say, hey, I wrote this book about the thing that you're an expert in. I spent a year on it. I would love to talk to you about it and potentially get a quote. There's a really real reason for me to reach out. And now there's a really real reason for me to talk to anyone who's a professional in the space or someone who might seem out of reach. It's it's almost like silly how differently I'm received now that I have a book. Like I can I can see the difference where opportunities are coming more easily and people just seem like I'm just more of a professional, I guess. That's not I'm not explaining it super well. But no, 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 it's real. Yeah, yeah. 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 No. It's um unfortunately it that mm-hmm. has to be that way. Yeah. Um or it's part of that way because of but if people want to see if you've done the work mm-hmm. and uh, writing a book is the work and it shows that you're committed to this. And yeah. yeah, it's true. It's a lot of work. <laughs> like still when I hear people in my life like, oh, I want to, I think I'm going to write a book. I'm like, good luck. Like figure out the reason why you're doing this thing for those moments when you're about to give up. Remember why you're writing the book. 
because I, I had a few moments where I almost stopped writing it entirely. And I had a friend say, all right, line up all the books that you have about community that are lying around your room. Look at them. Who are they written by? What type of person? What age range? And I was like, well, one, most of them are written by like dudes in their 50s and 60s. And at the very least, they're written by people who are over the age of 40. I haven't seen one book about community by someone in their 20s. So that's a good reason, literally just for that, to say, this book is going to reach different people because I'm a different type of author. Hmm. And that was very helpful for me to be like, yeah, I'm saying some of the same things as a lot of other authors, but it's in my voice and my voice reaches different people and that matters. And you and and your stories are in it too, yeah. which is totally different than someone in their 40s. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. And then good thing you didn't quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you mentioned about the different opportunities. I'm always curious as to how like new opportunities pop up yeah and uh and you mentioned how things were coming at you and stuff but Mm -hmm. maybe you can share about the new opportunity you talked about in the beginning yeah Um, but just yeah like how like that opportunity happened Mm -hmm. this is great uh (laughs) i'm like i love this story because it's it just feels like the perfect accumulation of all these things that I just said yes to and all these things I committed to and didn't really know what the end outcome would be. But so I was talking, this guy named Aaron Davis reached out to me on LinkedIn. He's like, hey, I'm a part of this organization called the Black Sheep Foundation. We partner artists with companies that want to create social change and we're always looking for new members. And I posted and asked about really amazing change makers in New York City. And like five people told me I should talk to you. Uh, So can I connect you to the person who runs Black Sheep in New York City? And I was like, okay. And so I connect with the guy who runs Black Sheep in New York City. And he's like, oh, yeah, like a bunch of people have told me about the Joylist. I've heard about you so many times. I can't believe that we haven't connected yet. And so I, I go, I meet him. He runs this thing called Poetry Lunch in New York City. And I just fell in love with him as a human. He's just like a poet and an entrepreneur and he clearly cares about people. And he was like, oh, if you're free, like next week we're hosting a dinner party. Actually, no, that didn't happen first. He said, he, so he was keeping kind of tabs on me, which I did not realize. And he saw I was going to California to speak at a conference. He's like, hey, Jillian, you're in California. The guy who started Black Sheep is in California. His name is Peter Sims. You really should try and get breakfast with him when you're in town because he wants to meet you. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> and I did not, I was so dumb. I did not look up his address. I assumed he lived in San Francisco. He did not. He lived in Berkeley. And it was like the day I was leaving. So I ended up having to get a cab or like an Uber from my friend's house in San Francisco all the way to Berkeley. And the whole way over, I was like, I hope I'm not wasting my time. Like, I really hope I'm not about to go get like a 20 minute coffee with this guy. But we meet and we're sitting there and he's telling me about the Black Sheep Foundation. And he's like, yeah, uh, like you can't really find a lot of information about us online, but like Chance the Rapper is a blacksmith, a, a blacksmith. He's a black sheep, like Lady Gaga is in the organization. He's just like naming all these famous influential people, like the head of Google, uh, the founder of Pixar. And I was like, whoa, this is a way more powerful organization than I thought I was getting myself into. Mm. Um, he was super chill. And he had another meeting and I ended up just having 
just joining him for his next meeting and I like went to the airport with the guy but it was just really interesting that he was he had heard about all the work that I was doing with the newsletter and what I was doing in New York City and he pretty much was like listen it doesn't matter how much money you make it doesn't matter how big your audience is I can see your heart and how much you are committing to making the world a better place you're just a good person and I want to help amplify voices like you like someone like you who is you're on the rise, but you need help. You don't have access to resources. You don't have access to people in power yet. Like, that's what I want to help you with. Get back to New York. They have a dinner party upstate for people who are professionals in the mental health space. They invite me. I invite my friend, Tony Bacigalupo, because we've been thinking, at the time, thinking we could just grow my newsletter together. And we go to this dinner at this, one of the nicest houses I've ever been to. Super nice dinner with people who are very intimidating to me. (laughs) And they ask someone to pitch a big idea because every year the Black Sheep Foundation has what they call a get shit done initiative. And the theme for New York is mental health and no one was pitching anything. So I was like, "Mm, what if we made a million people less lonely this year? And I was waiting for them to be like, cool, here's 10 other ideas that we could do. And instead they just said, sure, like make a business plan, make a pitch, make a one-pager, make a website, prove to us that you care about this thing, and we'll do it. And so me and Tony got to work. We made a business plan. We did all the things. And they were like, okay, we'll announce it next week. So they had a they, – they sponsor artists. And at this showcase of all these artists, they just announced that this was our campaign <laughs> – for the year. <laughs> and I didn't know they were going to make the announcement. I thought they were going to be like, cool, we'll announce it in January when everything's like really locked down and we have a contract and like all this stuff. But instead they were like, hey, that's Jillian. She had this idea. If you want to help her make it happen, go talk to her. And so stuff has just been happening since then. Wow. <laughs> so it happened real fast. But I really think like none of these people would have taken me seriously or really thought I could do this thing if they hadn't seen that I'm the type of person who really commits to doing something and who has a network and who a lot of people are like, yes, Jillian is a good person. She'll actually do this. She's got the resources and the willpower to just get it, like (laughs) to really do it. Uh, So who knows? This could like fall apart in three months and nothing will happen. But I don't think that's the case because a lot of people say they want to help. And yeah. It's just bananas. That's a very, very long story. Yeah, Sorry. It's an amazing story of yeah. serendipity saying yes yeah. and all these different things coming together. And yeah. All yeah. right. So we talked oh, about yeah, the yeah. book, talked about the newsletter, mm-hmm. new projects, <laughs> new campaigns. Um, before you let listeners know where to follow up uh, yes. and support, if there's anything else that you feel like we didn't talk about, you know? Mm. I think really, well, just the core of what I do is talking about loneliness and how normal it is. So anytime I'm on a podcast or whatever, I just always make it a point to say that if you're feeling lonely, it is super normal. Our culture is designed for us to be lonely and really deeply connecting to ourselves and other people is a radical act that takes a lot of time and energy and commitment. And so if you're feeling disconnected, know that most people are and that there is no shame in feeling lonely. And that it really just takes vulnerability and letting people know you want to be more connected and asking for help to get out of that place. Mm. Love that. Yeah. 
I'm like, God, always got to spread that word. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Amazing. Okay, so so yep. so yep. please uh, <laughs> please let uh, listeners know where they can follow up, support, and stay in touch. Cool. So if people want to learn more about me, they can go to thatjillian.com. If you want to email me, you can email me at hey at joylist.nyc. Especially if you're interested in this "Make a Million People Less Lonely" campaign. Uh, and if you want to subscribe to the Joylist, you can go to joylist.nyc. Great. Thank you so much, Jillian. Thank you. Hey, friend. This episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. I'm really excited for you to learn from this episode and would love to hear any thoughts from you and continue the conversation where I post this episode on many different social channels. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast for my weekly Portfolio Career Podcast show. And really excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.